Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are just getting underway in a new preaching series through the book of Mark. In our second week, Pastor Jim Harris will open up chapter 1 and guide us all the way through verse 1. Well, there are a lot of questions that we need to be able to answer by the time we're through. What is significant about the Gospel of Mark? How does it differ from the other three Gospels? And what should we expect to learn as we journey through this book of the Bible? And since it's just one short verse, I'm going to read it to you. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Why spend one week on this one verse? Well, because it's important that we understand Mark's purpose in writing from the outset. And it's important that we can answer the question, what is the gospel? Well, here is today's slice of the message entitled, Why is Mark Remarkable? Now that Jesus came and died and rose again, the message of the gospel, it hasn't changed, but now it is in its fullest expression. It includes what he accomplished. It's still the gospel of God. It's still the gospel of the kingdom. It's still the announcement of peace with God and happiness and salvation because our God reigns. It's still the message of good news of eternal reward in the presence of God. But now we have the fullness of the message. There is salvation in no one else except Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's not what I came to talk about this morning. But it's a very important word, right smack dab at the beginning of this gospel. But I want you to understand one more thing, and the reason that I'm only doing one verse. I want you to be ready for the fullest impact of the gospel of Mark. The story of Mark himself is tied to what he calls the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want you to take a a brief look with me, if you will, at the biography of the biographer. Who is this Mark guy? And you can arrange this into three parts. Mark and Peter, Mark and Paul, and then I'm going to make up a category, Mark and the Lord, as you see what the Lord did in his life. Who is Mark of the gospel according to Mark? Well, Mark was not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Mark was not an apostle. Mark was not one of the first deacons appointed in Acts chapter 6. He was not an evangelist. He was not a priest. He was not a rabbi. He was not a public official of, of any kind. He was quite unremarkable, if you will, pun intended. Yet he was one of just nine men whom God used to write the New Testament. Now I want to show you where he appears several times on the pages of the New Testament. Now you're familiar with Herod, King Herod, Herod the Great. If you know anything about him, he was a thoroughly despicable, murderous genius. 
He's the one who wanted to kill all the babies in and around Bethlehem when Jesus was born because he didn't want any competing king of the Jews. Well, he was the head of a family tree of people of various uh, forms of the kind of evil that they inherited from Grandpa Herod. One of the heinous acts of his grandson, Herod Agrippa I, leads us to our discovery of Mark who wrote this gospel. If you look at Acts chapter 12, the beginning of Acts chapter 12, and now in the book of Acts, we've got Peter on the forefront in the beginning, and then Paul gets saved in chapter 9, and there's a little overlap and a a transition, and then the emphasis is on the ministry of Paul as the gospel goes to the Gentiles. But here in Acts chapter 12, we read this at the beginning of that chapter. Now about that time, Herod the king, that's Herod Agrippa I, grandson of, king Herod, of Herod the Great, that about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Remember, Peter, James, and John are the three of the inner circle of the disciples. James and John are brothers, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder. All right? He puts James to death. And get a load of this. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Herod Agrippa I was in the moral casting of his grandfather, just as evil as his grandfather. He was playing the same game that Herod the Great played. The the, the game was to try to keep order among the Jews that were under his authority so that Rome would like him and keep him in power. So killing one of the apostles got great reviews from the unbelieving Jews, so he decided if they like me killing one of them, they're going to love me for killing two of them. So this time, he goes after Peter. He arrests him, puts him under heavy guard, and he's planning to bring him out to be executed. So skip down now to Acts chapter 12, starting at verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison... But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, in other words, Herod's Agrippa, the first plan for the next morning was, let's kill Peter and make a display of him. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the doors were watching over the prison. And behold... An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up. Apparently, Peter could sleep pretty well, okay? And he's saying, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that, uh, that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Peter thought he was seeing a vision of his own miraculous release. And why would Peter think that? Well, two chapters earlier, 
Peter had had a direction-changing vision. Remember the, the sheet lowered down with all the unclean animals, and that's when God uh, nullified the, um, the, the dietary regulations of the Old Testament so the Jew and Gentile now could be one together in Christ. So he thought he was seeing a vision, and all of a sudden he realized, hey, <laughs> I'm really out of jail. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. That's the kind of jailbreak, just walk up and the door opens. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So, Peter's in quite the euphoric reason, uh, euphoric situation. And this is where Mark first shows up in the Bible record chronologically. Acts chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Remember it said that fervent prayer was going on for him? You go on and read it. It's kind of humorous. This girl named Rhoda comes and answers the door when Peter's knocking, and Peter says, it's me. And she gets all excited and leaves him locked outside and runs back up and says, it's Peter. And they said, no, 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 you're seeing his ghost. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool chapter. But that's not my point for this morning. You're introduced here to um, Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. Now, in that culture, there were... So many Johns that often when you have a John described, you've got to have John the brother of or the son of or something like that. Same with Mary. So Mary is the mother of John who is also called Mark. Now since Mark's mother is mentioned and not a father, and it was her house, it's quite likely that this Mary was a widow. And we know that Peter was familiar enough with them that he went directly to their house. It was likely a house where a house church met. And reading between the lines, it's not hard at all to surmise that Peter probably had a pretty strong influence on Mark and was likely the one that the Lord used to bring Mark to faith in Christ. Late in his life, Peter wrote this, which we saw when we studied 1 Peter not too long ago, 1 Peter 5.13. The close of that book, Peter says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Now, you know from our study of 1 Peter that there are many who think that Babylon was a code word for Rome. I'm not one who thinks that, but... Uh, that doesn't matter for interpreting the passage. The point that I want you to see is that Mark was part of Peter's team near the end of Peter's life. Uh, there's no explanation, but the fact that Peter especially sends greetings from Mark tells you that Mark had been involved enough that he was well known in the first century church. He doesn't give any explanation of who Mark is. Just Mark sends his Greetings, and he calls him my son Mark. 
That's where we get the inference that Mark came to faith under the ministry of Peter. And Peter's writing, remember, to the saints that are scattered around Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, and Asia. So Mark had been pretty well known. Now we'll come back to the relationship between Peter and Mark, but um, there's an intervening chapter of Mark's life that is very significant in his story. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.